Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, Pick Guardian. Jared Brandon. Brandon Wong, Pickups. Hey, it's me, everybody. Todd Novak. We are super happy that you are along for the ride of the Guitar Knobs podcast. Welcome. Yay. We've got an incredibly fun episode this week. I'm super excited for this. This episode is Recording Studio 101. All right. What to prepare for as a guitar player. All right. This is going to be super exciting because we have someone in the studio to help us along with this. Who is that? Who is this? John Fennell from Relay Recording. All right. Relay Recording is a fine establishment in the Columbus area. Very reputable shop, as I understand. Mm. Hopefully uh, to be there soon, maybe myself. Let's work out a deal, I'm just saying. Uh, Now we know why he's the guest. (laughs) Uh No, no, no. He's a solid dude. Um, And also you do a lot of uh, actual uh, video shoots and sound stuff for that kind of thing, right? I do. Yeah, I do. It's excellent. That's how we actually met on accident. That's true. This, this, that was kind of weird, but kind of weird, kind of cool. Yeah, same I'm time. glad that that actually happened that way. Yeah, as opposed to you answering the 15 emails I sent. No, I'm just kidding. Why it was, you it was only two. Oh, only he's two. a hater. It was only he two. Is a Maybe hater. I bet no. you spelled my name wrong in we the email. Clear, I probably did. It is, and that's why I didn't go error. through. User I can error. I can show you proof that he can't spell. This is I. <laughs> yes, that's actually 100 percent true. All right, everybody. Let's. Do we have any announcements? Yeah, I have one. Yes, sir. So March. This month is really no big deal. However, next month, <laughs> I meant to say April. So ne- uh, the, next all the month, calendars are offended. There are a lot of guitar shows going on, everybody. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so like the, um, let's see. April is April, chock uh, full. 4th, uh, I believe that will be the Indiana Guitar Show. No, the 4th, I think, is Chicago. Oh, you're right. You're right. 4th is Chicago. And uh, the next week will be Indiana, Indiana, and then after that will be Akron. Yes. So uh, there's a lot of guitar shows going on. There are, and there's plenty of opportunities to go and visit your local guitar show. This right. is a hundred percent true, regardless of where you're at. <laughs> this is ugly already. I know it's funny. What uh, What do we do on this show? Well, I suppose we could tell everybody what we do on the show. That's kind of a big deal, Jared. Well, what we do is we have these really cool 101s, which we're going to have today. Like tonight. Like tonight. And then we'll talk to, also talk to uh, small boutique builders, because uh, we like to talk to mostly everybody in the guitar world. Yeah. But they're easier to make when you have small hands. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. More dexterity. That's right. Yes. And, so the small and in this case, builders. we have a professional uh, who is a professional at what they do. Mr. Professional. All right. <laughs> it's going to be a learning it's episode, gonna everybody. Yeah, It's going to be great. Uh, Learn it okay. while you can. So uh, let's talk about what we did in the music world this week, uh, starting with Tony. Oh, for me? Yeah. Um, well, to the, in the mail today was something that I think is, I, I find really cool. And I love ways to modify guitars without permanently changing them. Ah, uh, yes. So uh, I'm, as many of you know, a big Rickenbacker 12-string aficionado. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things I like is the late, late 50s, early 60s trapeze style as opposed to the R-tail piece. Right. Uh, one, they're Explain easier. the R-tail. So the R-tail is like a cast tail piece that has the letter R, obviously, for Rickenbacker. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, especially on the 12-strings, they are just a bear to restring. 
Um, there's little tricks you can do, but I've, I find that the old style trapeze ones are much easier to take it one step better. So the old style trapeze have six holes. You have to feed two strings through each hole. Really? Yes. And that makes it really, that that can be a problem. So what I got in the mail today, there's a company called uh, Winfield Vintage that makes essentially the same trapeze except they put 12 holes in it. Mm. Oh. So what this Enterprising does, man with a drill bit looks like. Well, not only that, but the, <laughs> the bracket that holds the, the, uh, uh, the, the tailpiece in place right. is drilled for, obviously the big hole is for the, uh, for the uh, strap button, and then the two small holes match up with the existing holes in the thing. Right. Nice. So you don't have to do There's new no holes. There's no drilling. There's no drilling. You just pop be- this you're on. Just bettering. <laughs> no switch twist cheese. That's what they should put on the package. No drilling, just bettering. No. Have Swiss you tried cheese. this? Have you tried this thing? Uh, I've used other trapeze ones before. I haven't tried this a, a particular. Yeah, I mean that, one. yeah, that particular one. I will. I'm, sure. ju- I'm just curious how it works with the the two holes and the. It makes Strings it much vibrating on that little. Well, um, I mean, I've used other uh, trapeze tailpieces mm-hmm. like this, and um, I don't notice any harmonic difference or anything. No problem like with that. strings breaking or anything. Well, that's a problem with only six holes. If you yeah, break what one of the strings think. that go through the holes, you have to replace both of them. With this, what a silly thing! <laughs> what? That's what? the way they did it. What that's can what I I'm say? But why do that? (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow. So this came in the mail today. I'm really happy with it. Uh, Or bare minimum, just make it a slot. Just make two, like six slots instead of six. Wow, man. You missed your calling. I I know, right? Wow. I could have made a million. This week's product development. I could have been somebody. Anyhow, so um, that's going to go on a Rick 12, and I will let you know how it works out. I think it's going to work out just fine. I love it. All right. Let's hear from John. Um, I recorded... A band. There was a guitar in the band. There were plenty of guitars in the band. And uh, was it 38 special? The the coolest thing I did, though, Tony, (laughs) you had your one already. You wasted it. And here we are already. We're 15 minutes in. He's he's not used. Okay. Okay. Relax. Okay. All right. I won't sound on him quite so much. Anyway. (laughs) So, anyway, for the lead track and a couple other tracks, we used my little PV solid state. From 1980 something, <laughs> and I just blasted it, blasted the input, cranked the gain up, and it was like a fuzz. It was right. fantastic. Which and, which uh, which model PV was it? Like a Bandit or something? Oh like that. yeah, it's, Bandit it's 65. Yes. Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's something. And I just cranked the thing. That's what and I started with. And the last time I used that amp was on. Uh, I did vocals for. I don't know if you know the Warren Flints. They're a local band. That's, I've heard of they the tour Flints. nationally. They're they're pretty good. W O R N Flints, not Warren Flints. Right. Right. I don't know who Warren Flints. I don't even know. Anyway, so yeah, that's I used that on his vocals on that record, which is that Clementine record. Mm-hmm. And this time I used it on a lead track, huh. and it was fantastic. It sounded great. Awesome. You'll hear it eventually. It'll be everywhere. I'd like to hear it when I come visit the studio. Oh, okay. Can I do that? Yeah, okay. for sure. Awesome. You should play through that thing. It's funny. It I'd sounds like, better than I, I, I used to. That's, That's what I started amp, out with. Actually. Yeah. Anyways, um, I wanted to do, I just want to interrupt our normal programming really quick. We have somebody else in the studio. The question has come up several times, like, why don't you have female builders or female guests on the show? It's not that we're trying not to. 
They're just few and far any. between. Yeah. So if you are, they have standards. Let me usually. know. <laughs> let me know. And yeah, probably standards. But I, we have, we have. Do you want to introduce your friend here? Oh, this is Mick Martinez. And Mick Martinez is is in a band called Snarls. Snarls. But she's a guitar player, and I would just like to know. Shredda. And the rest of, I think, our audience might like to know, just out of curiosity, what do you, what, what do you play? What is your guitar? What is your rig? Just tell me your, your, your guitar and your amp and maybe your favorite four pedals real quick. I play a Fender Mustang, the blue with the tortoise shell pickup. Sonic okay. blue. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm talking about. Right. Um, it's covered in stupid stickers, too. Yes. Um, and I play that through a Fox AC-15. My favorite pedals, I, your walrus hat actually reminded me of this. Um, I love the walrus Voyager. And also, I don't know how to pronounce the brand, but it's like N-U-X. I don't know if they just say Nux or whatever. But it's like this $20 chorus pedal that I got used, and it's actually really amazing. Nice. I love it. Mm, that's, yeah. I've never heard I of that love one. Of course. Yeah. That's about it, I think. Okay. <laughs> that's cool. Well, thanks for sharing that. Of course. All right. No one, no one so, escapes so, uh, the podcast. We, we, yeah, That's we right. should. We should say that that she's she's taking some photos for for John and for his uh, studio and and uh, yes, yes. So there you go. Thank you for swinging in, and I think yes, she's taking off now. Everybody, so say goodbye. Bye bye. Bye, Mick. Goodbye Thanks now. for sharing. Pleased to meet you. I'll miss you most of all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, Jared, what do you got going on this week, bud? Oh man! So I got this awesome new amp, man. Actually, it's a very old amp. It uh, this particular amp is from 1978, and the brand is Premier. Uh, I think it, you know it's. Pretty much considered a practice amp uh, at a solid state, but um, I took a risk. I got it off Craigslist. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> that can be risky. Yes, it, it can. can. <laughs> but this this thing is unmolested, untouched, not, you know, it what, was. What's the speaker configuration? I believe that's a 10 inch speaker yeah, or maybe. It looks to be a 10. Yeah, it's a 10. A single 10? Yeah. Just one combo. 10. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, combo amp. And uh, it's very old. It's. And when I got it, the reverb didn't work, and the the pots, like the volume and tone, were all scratchy and messed up. So I pretty much took it apart, and I I got my contact cleaner out, and I cleaned up all the everything, and I took the reverb apart. I got the reverb unit out, and I was really surprised when I I read this label on the reverb unit, and uh, it was somewhat. I'm not going to even say what it said, but it was made by a factory in uh, Wisconsin, and um, yeah, well, well, we can. It was a, it was a very interesting thing that was said. I remember you showing that. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> I'm not. Anyway, it's a very interesting, uh, rather everything, ne nefarious uh, label, maybe. <laughs> you know, back then this wasn't like a high dollar amp, but yeah. everything about this amp is considered high quality today. Like everything was like I I saw the pots and the the things and all that stuff and saw some German transistors and yeah no alpha pots in that thing, no probably. no it was all pretty much high quality stuff where and is it made this is made in I want to say Wisconsin. it was made Wisconsin. in Wisconsin that's right you well that's that. where the reverb unit oh, was made okay. but oh. this was made in Pennsylvania oh interesting oh. yeah so I mean it's it's Merkin. a great sounding little amp for what it is you turn it all the way up and you get a heck of a cool fuzz there's actually a gain on it wow 
it's uh it's interesting that's cool what I, all does I it have on it here it what are uh, the i'll show you a picture it? of it but uh i'll ex- i'll um <clears throat> i'll explain so there's a uh a volume and and a couple of tones um there is all the way to the right there is a gain uh you can also plug a foot switch in yeah bass treble volume uh what, and is the foot switch for reverb or is there a tremolo on it as well? No tremolo. Or There's vibrato. A, there is a reverb, and mm-hmm. you can control the depth, of course. And then there is also a foot switch for the gain. So you can, yeah, hmm. yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it is. Not uh, a gain is a that's a that's sort of odd for that era. Well, Here it is. Here's a, like a second it's stage a, gain kind of thing. Yeah, um, but uh, it's it's a great amp, and it's pretty darn clean. It looks really cool. It is, and uh, I think I have an air conditioner that looks like. It. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It it looks like a yeah, humidifier. Cool. You, you know what something. that looks like? Yeah, it right. looks like if if the if the rat was an amp. Exactly, that's what it looks, it looks like. like. Yeah, for right. real. So I mean, I it was lo- only fifty I like bucks. That. I, I mm-hmm. drove forty mi- you know, forty minutes to get it, but it was only fifty bucks. I'll give you fifty-one for it. <laughs> I'll let you borrow it. For I, I'd, sure. love to, I'd love to play it. It'd be kind of oh, fun. absolutely. It's great, especially um, when it's all dime. How about out. you, Todd? What's going on in your music yeah. world happening? this week? In my music world, uh, let's see here. Shoot, just last night I was looking at the guitar rig and I had some work to do, and I said, "Hmm, I'd much rather play guitar." So I went over, and w- right now in, in our in our band, we've got uh, we've got a sort of an early, I guess, an early Ramones length set. So it's short. We come in here and we smack you in the forehead with a with a little two by four, and then we run. And uh, <laughs> I, you know, a couple friends, <clears throat> Tony has been like, "You need more songs." And I'm like, "We got songs, but we, you know, how many songs do you have? Two. Right now, we're playing a set of eight. Oh, that's but, like twenty minutes." Yeah, you could use a few more. Twenty-five minutes. Yeah. Depends, depends on how many jokes you tell. Right? Take a long we could. break in the middle. Yeah, we could. Or so. Extended solos. So anyway, you so I said, you know what? And that's part I'm gonna, of the act. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get some new stuff here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see what happens. I'm you want me to gonna, write a I'm couple for you? Absolutely not. Okay. And I knocked out two, two, two that were. I was like, holy moly, these are actually like real contenders. Not like just like, hey, maybe there's something here. Like. Full, almost full songs, and, wow. and I shot them to my to my pals, and and everybody's like, "Holy moly, what the heck? This is fantastic! Let's knock these out on Sunday." We give Todd a hard time about songwriting yes, and all do. that, but let me tell you something: it is extremely difficult to write a song. I've been playing for 30, 40 years. I don't know how to write no song, so I just wanted to. <laughs> That's put a that double out negative. There. I don't know how to <laughs> write no, no song, song or which, speak no which English. Which means you do <laughs> right. know how to write no song. I don't. Which, I don't. Yes. So anyways, I appreciate I admire that. You. I, I, admire I, you. I, I thank you for that, Jared. So anyways, that was really exciting. because not like, so much. It's like, hey, boom, here's two. Yeah. I only wanted one. That's good. Yeah, I was excited about it. Yeah. All right, it's enough jibber-jabber. Yeah. One, two, one, two, three, four on the floor. All right, John from Relay Studios. Todd. Give us your four on the floor. Okay. We're going to start with the first one. You don't want them all yet. No, one I'm just going to feed them to you one at a slowly. Time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, this pedal. He actually has it in the studio right now. So I brought it. Yeah. Okay. This, this one is a Blackstone Appliances MOSFET. This is my favorite overdrive pedal that I've ever heard of all time in my life. Brilliant. Because on so many levels, it's great. It has two channels 
and it's in a regular, like one of the small MXR size boxes. Yeah. Um, has a brown channel and a red channel. That's the only dumb thing about this pedal. When you're, when you're flipping the thing from channel to channel, you either get like an orange light or you get a red light that's very similar. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> it's like, what? What am I doing yeah. here? But I, I have the red one just cranked to like smashing pumpkins level nice. dis- distortion. So I know you can hear it. It's no secret. Sure. It's a MOSFET pedal. So that's where it gets his overdrive is a, a bunch of like a, a number of them, a chain of them. Right. All distorting a little bit as opposed to like the diode flip thing. And, right. You know, so you don't get any of the fuzzy business on top. And uh, it's been my go-to since I got it. And I never heard the thing. Before. I just read about it. And I thought, yeah, I'm going to get that. <laughs> so I, I got it. And it just blew me away. And it has these little, like the knobs are not knobs. They're these little screws that are inset. So I'm it the, looks I'm the guy. industrial. It is. It actually kind of looks like a, like a Petty John pedal to a certain degree. It's got that sort of like hammered. Yeah, um, hammered paint. Hammered paint. Um, oh, yeah. And it's got the... Uh, the what you call it? The uh, is that steel or aluminum? It's got like the industrial the, the face plate, plate face plate, yeah. and yeah. then the screws. It's mm-hmm. it, it, it's it means business. It's Reliable got, comes and to that mind. Looks old. It's got yeah. switches. So you could run jacks. over it with a car or Probably. a tank. That's cool. Yeah. And I have played but, that, and it sounded really nice. Yeah, it sounds great. Cool. Looks and, and it can it can go into a clean amp and still give you that stuff. It's not relying on the amp. And that just, have you played any of their other pedals? What? Have you played any of their other pedals? That's it. That's the only. They pedal have they that in a version two, as far as I know. <laughs> okay, that's all. Well, they there needed. you go. Yeah. Then, then the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to get another one, actually, just yeah. to not have one on my board and have one that I can use oh, in the, like in in the, the studio, studio that yeah. I can just screw with and I, you know do whatever with. Brad. Um, but I love the fact that these things are inset because I am the most famous like kicking knobs guy live uh, right so i'll just kick the knob you know and then it just turns off or it's super loud and then i stomp on it and everyone in the at the show is mad at me right but i don't do that with this one number two i've got the super puss on here which i haven't had that long it's a way huge pedal uh-huh. um and i really love it it's a an analog delay it's simple to use it has everything i need on it and it sounds very rich you can do all kinds of stuff with that pedal and it has a tap tempo on it which was I had a memory man that I used for years, um, which doesn't have tap tempo, obviously. I had a disaster transport that I used for a bunch of years after that. It's a Cedar Point ride. <laughs> Sorry. But it is. <laughs> it's not Cedar Point, though. That's uh, so Disney, isn't it? Hyper-regional. <laughs> The disaster <laughs> transport? I thought that... No, no. And that, the, that ride's gone now, too. Yeah. I'm sorry. So, I'm showing my age. So that I'm sorry was I interrupted. In a, what? <laughs> at, a, at an amusement park? It's a very in obtuse reference. In Sandusky, Ohio. In Sandusky, Ohio. The ride's been probably gone for 10 years. 10 years ago, there was a ride called that thing. All right, yeah. thanks. I'm sorry. No, any, no more. Any, no more. I'm done. It's funny. It's funny. What, they had a ride called the Supapus? <laughs> That's what I thought yeah. he was talking <laughs> about. Like, I'd, I'd ride it. Yeah. Do you... Do you <laughs> <laughs> right. When you kick these pedal, when you kick the switches, so you never interfere with those tiny little micro. Right? I, yeah, you can't make hand motions when you're doing a podcast. But right. I have the uh, the boss he does. the boss ES five. So I, that's why I got this almost solely for that reason because 
I'm terrible at my foot accuracy is not good. Mm. So I would, I would kick the knobs and stuff. So I got this thing. I just have them individually set into that and it's a controller so I can turn each one on and there's that. I just have to remember what goes to what. Do you mm. use the, the tap tempo <clears throat> a lot or not? Or on, the, on, this, on this, on this yeah, I do. Yeah. You do? I mean, yeah. you have problem, I mean, reaching over the other pedals? Not really. I used to because this is the mute functions, but I moved the pedal over away from that because I would click on the tap tempo and half the time I would hit mute on, on, the, on, switcher. Uh, <laughs> on the switcher. Yeah. And then I'd get real mad when it like, I don't have a temper, but when I do that, I just want to chuck this thing yeah. like, across the room. Gotcha. Um, I gotcha, man. Yeah. So I do the tap tempo on, so, on that and it's great. So what made you go for the super puss? There's obviously loads of pedals that do that thing. Um, I don't know. I think it was just the, the variance. And part of it is I, I got it on reverb for a very good price. Nice. Yeah. So I was like, it's always an incentive. That's the one <laughs> ding, that's going to be perfect for me. Right on. So it looks cool. It's a great look. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a beautiful looking pedal too. It is. And it has like the depth and the, all the, all this crazy stuff you can do with it. And you can do the, the different delays that you can change with this. Donk, donk. This, right. this button is, uh, there's a can, middle button that you can select the feedback delays, button. You can yeah. depress it and, ch and change. The look divisions. it up listeners. Yep. That's yep. right. Look it up. All right. What's next? This warped vinyl chase bliss by chase bliss, which is way more pedal than I should have. Um, it, that it, is a lot. It's pedal. a lot of pedals. It's got dip switches in the back of it. I know. Yeah. It's like mall. <laughs> Sorry. It's like Mark Wahlberg's third nipple. You don't need them. Um, <laughs> but you never know. Yeah, I'm never. I'm <laughs> never ever going to use those. Yes. Um, but there, there are, are six other knobs. Yes. Holy. Smokes. Exactly. Yeah. Six other knobs and switches. And <laughs> that's right. There are three toggle switches in yeah. addition to that. Yeah. Which I, I leave it where it is because I oh, tried the other ones. They four. were they were a little there's out, four outlandish. Switches. I just you know, okay, Todd. Holy four toggles, smokes. two foot switches, six knobs, <laughs> twenty twenty three dip two. switches. Yeah. yeah, that's a lot. Right. That's a lot of yeah. But so tell us what you love about it. It just does that that warpy. I mean, it's called warp vinyl. There's a reason it's called that. Yep. It, it does yeah. a, it does a thing that does a modulation in the middle, mm -hmm. but it's a a timed thing. So it's not a continuous sine wave sort of chorus right that it gives you it gives you something that that has a shape to it that that moves at one section as and then, if and it then was does actually it. warped yes and you can change the speed of that the depth of that all kinds of stuff it has again six knobs yeah um and a bunch of toggles it's yeah. crazy i still i mean i don't know everything that it can do yet i haven't had it that long but i know a guy and the guy helped me brilliant the price of that nice. <laughs> and that's yeah. why i have it Nice. Cool. What's number four? Number four is the Ghost Echo by Earthquaker Devices. It's mm. a good pedal, man. I love that pedal. It makes everything just big and juicy. I like modulation a lot, obviously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, especially in the, the band that I'm playing in now, that is a very big part of it. That's very so, cool. So you're the color guy? Big, spacey. I'm the rhythm guitar guy that's just filling space, sort yep. of. Okay. And putting down the, the chords. Gotcha. Um, and, and that thing just gets large is what it does. And it creates yeah. a lot of space. It's, it's, it's a fantastic. no nonsense pedal. It is three knobs. Yeah. Depth, dwell and attack. And the fact that it has attack on it is pretty cool because you could actually dial up like a, a slap back kind of thing. It's, uh, emulating a spring reverb. So cool. That's pretty cool. Right on, man. 
Uh, I think two things worth mentioning. If I had a foot switch pedal, I think uh, based on what you were saying about the foot dexterity, I think I would probably be clever and write laces out on it. <laughs> Anyways, and then the other thing was uh, stupid Joe. Sorry, Tony. I stole your stupid joke. Stealing my thunder, yeah. man. You're stealing my thunder. No, but but it's worth mentioning. I, and I think this is this is kind of important because the, you didn't just say bye. I think I'll just have these pedals. I asked him if he had a specific pedal, and he said, "Well, let me check in my closet." And I opened up the closet. I'm like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> There's like what 150 pedals in there maybe i don't man there's a lot of 100 there's a lot of pedals in there it looked it looked like it was in the back room of guitar center and so the fact that you chose these i think says a lot it's it's top of top of a big heap it is exactly Mm -hmm. and there are so many other there were others that i was just like yeah i don't know yeah i could definitely spend some time with that warp vinyl for sure for sure yeah it's it's i love that stuff yeah i think it's um there we mentioned the deco, the Strymon deco. There's there's probably uh, a, a few similarities in there for sure. I think those pedals are probably like you know people toggle either between one or the other of those and several other sort of warped sounding things. Anyways, <laughs> let's talk about. So you're gonna record 101. All right, we're going into the studio with you, John. You are gonna help us out. Uh, how long have you been recording, people? Six months. <laughs> do I, do I have? Do I have? Yeah, that's right. Say that. I just started. Uh, let's see. I graduated. Do I really have to go just, into this? Just, I graduated. Just, I graduated from recording school in 1994. All right. Yes. All right. Okay. So that's not that. That didn't that's hurt that not bad. bad at all. I was 13. No, no uh, you were not. I was the youngest graduate ever. <laughs> I was so smart. The Doogie Hauser of yeah. producing and engineering. Now, what I will say, we we, we won't. Uh, you know go on and on about you but i will say that um when i was looking for a place to record in town every single person that i talked to either mentioned your studio or said i went there once and i've only gone back there since and one of my closest friends um billy billy shout out to billy real quick here hey billy um He's in. He's been in several prominent bands in the Columbus area, and he swore up and down uh, for your work. So nice, thanks, I, Billy. I, hey, th- I knew I it liked is a him. tough market. I out didn't there. know why, but it's I knew I market. liked it. And when that many people vouch for you, you're doing something right. So cool. Put that in the bank. All right, <laughs> let's get down to this. I roped him into this because um, of all of the things that I heard about him, as I just mentioned. So I figured. He's got experience. I went down to the studio to check it out, and we had a great time. We had uh, you showed me all around. You have a really nice studio, with all the tools that you had access to, and like loads of amps. And it made me think: okay, you are somebody as a guitar player, especially somebody who is probably keen to what are the needs of a guitar player in a studio. You're not just the guy who's recording. You. you you probably have a slightly unique perspective on that. So I know a lot of our audience has never been in the studio before. A lot of them. I know that there are several people who have been in this studio. There are people who uh, probably were, were traumatized by that experience. <laughs> and some people who, who have been like, man, I've gone in the studio all my life. And I bet you we're going to talk about some things that might be new 
new information for these people. I've been in the studio many times. Every time I feel like I'm, it's the first time I'm going in. I always feel like, what am I doing? I'm doing. So we have a whole bunch of questions we're gonna we're gonna hit you with. All right, and uh, we're gonna try to approach this as much as we can from, as we always do, a learning standpoint. Let's go for some questions here. All right, I'm the person who's gonna go in and record. That's the perspective we're gonna take from it. All right, number one, John. What do I need to do to prepare my guitar? to go record in the studio. Most common thing that's overlooked is not having your guitar intonated before you bring it in to record. So if you're playing a part that uh, ends up going up like 12th fret, not even that high, 7th fret or something like that, it's going to be out of tune. For, like you could, you could tune that guitar all day and if you play something up on the fretboard, it's going to be out of tune. Okay. And that is a real pain to get around. Let's just briefly, just very briefly, talk about intonation on a guitar. Like, we won't deep dive on it, but... So intonation is basically uh, changing the scale length based on the string mm-hmm. uh, slightly, enough so that everything plays in tune. And what you're talking about is most notably on the G string. Uh, if you play... The G is notorious. If it is out of in, not intonated properly... It just goes sour, oh yeah, really, especially really on fast. a Gibson. Oddly enough, yes, they're Absolutely. the they're the worst with the G. Sometimes G-string. you can't even tune it right. Yeah, well, they they G is in the in the name of Gibson, so I think that's all. It's part it of is. their strategy. Uh, all right, so uh, <laughs> so basically, it's it's it, it are it's the adjustments usually at the bridge, uh, the little saddles that are sitting in there with the groove you, in you it. You can slide them back and forth, and basically, you start usually your high E is the actual scale length. So if it's a 25 and a half inch scale fender, the distance from the nut to where the string sits in the saddle is 25 and a half inches. Right. And then the strings vary from there. And usually like your low E is back a lot further because the thicker the string. And that's why they're all staggered. Correct. So for an in-depth understanding of how to intonate your guitar, all you got to do is go to YouTube and there's like, 10,000 videos on it has a lot to do with the 12th string or the 12th uh, 12th fret fret. yeah Yeah. that's basically the the, the midway point between your scale and if for the most part if you you have a a loose tremolo or a floyd rose or something that could be a nightmare yeah especially if you're going into drop d or something agreed agreed so take your time and uh, learn all about that because that is one of the fundamental things that can help your guitar tone out and get a good tuner that and get a good tuner. Yeah, yeah, it has to be very too. accurate or it's just not going to work. That's right. true. Yeah. That's true. And fortunately, there are loads of those available now. Not It didn't used to be like that, but now there are. And there's plenty of great ones that you can download as apps for, That's your, true. for your phones. That's true. Yay. All right. It really, so, a, a tuner pedal should be someone's four on the floor because it's seriously probably the most important pedal. Yeah. It, it might be. It might be. But it's not, not in your very band. exciting. <laughs> not my bad. Oh, wow, dang. <laughs> Latent slap. All right. Uh, and so, what, what about what else? Uh, what about strings? If you're going to change the strings, you should. Well, you should change the strings, but you should do it the day before, typically. Okay. You're uh, paying for your time at the studio, right? Well, you don't want to sit there and change your strings. Although you can do it while I'm setting up the drums because you gotta, you got right. time. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but <laughs> right. <laughs> but <laughs> um, to the actual 
the actual like purpose of doing it the day before. Does it have anything to do with stretching them properly? Yes, because if you just put them on and then you're playing, you're gonna your tuning is gonna be m- much more frequent. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, uh, it'll it's more likely to go out of tune. But I mean, we tune after every take, so you're playing it for you know three minutes. Right. And then you're tuning again. Okay. But it's still going to sound much better than, you know, eight month old. Absolutely. Ratty yeah. strings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so if, if your options are not changing the strings or changing them when you get there, I'll take changing them when you get there. Gotcha. Because <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to like, seriously, I tell people to tune after every take and they get tired of it. And, but you yeah, know. but that's keeping it the uh, right the time you get to the 10th song, you want it to sound like the first one. Right. As, as, and at least it, as good. You, you don't want to get to the, end stage of mixing and be like well this guitar is out of tune yep exacto mundo do you like chorus maybe even, good maybe <laughs> yeah exactly maybe even uh two two days before to give a proper stretch on them yeah well depending on if you're gonna practice though before you because that's really the most important thing right is knowing your parts and playing them well so if you're going to practice like you should i'd rather have you do all your practicing change the strings and then come in the next day okay sounds good good point and you just touched on something, which is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess that you don't want me trying to figure out guitar parts in the studio. Oh, maybe you do. <laughs> yeah, hourly rate. But, <laughs> he does a thing. But it's also a pain I in the neck. I am not that guy, <laughs> yeah. Tony. It's also a pain in the neck for everybody waiting around for you to do that. Yeah. Yeah? It, it is, and it flows better if you know what you're going for and right. have, have a vision for the song. I mean, sometimes that, that being said, it, sometimes you have a vision for the song and you just don't see very well because your part is terrible. <laughs> right. <Yeah>. So, th- <laughs> I mean, seriously, you'll have a note that just doesn't work right. yeah. in the key. So, you have to change that note. It happens a lot with bass players, believe it or not. Interesting. So, you have to change that note and, you know. All right. Which is part of my job I to hear it that. and say, hey, you're a half step flat. There you go. So. Excellent. All right. Lots more. Lots more questions. This is the, I love this. This is so fun. All right. Uh, how do I handle my amp situation, John? I play in my house. Or maybe I have a live rig. Or maybe I've got a Marshall stack or a Fender Twin. How do I, how do I handle going into there, into the studio with my amps? So, you, so, you, so your question is, do I bring my two 412s and my Marshall head or do I not? Maybe. Um, it depend, A, depends on what kind of band you play in. B, or two, it, dep- <laughs> <laughs> it, dep- <laughs> it depends on how we're recording this. Um, I, I've done some things where it was everybody live in the, like the live room, the big room, right. with no headphones. So it matters more then mm. than it matters when everything is isolated. Okay. If it's isolated, I don't care what you bring volume wise. Okay. Because it's isolated. So you can bring in your big giant Marshall oh, yeah. and crank it and everything's all good in the hood. All good. Yeah. Okay. I got doors. All right. So yeah. But I mean, if seriously, if it's super loud, if you have like four, if you have that many speaker cabinets they're just not needed it's not going to do anything for you but mm-hmm. you know you're going to hurt yourself mm-hmm. so, so there's no is there any issue between what what a microphone can handle so like let's say man i want to get my my amp sounds amazing when it hits seven but seven is you know incredibly loud is there a 
is there a threshold at which the the microphone is is not getting that true sound anymore? Uh, some microphones, yes, and some really the limits are pretty high. So you're probably not gonna. And, and when you put a mic on a on a cabinet, you're still even if you had two four twelves, you have a mic in front of one of those four twelves, and you have a mic in front of one of those speakers of the four twelves. So. It's, it's, it's not really going to do anything. You put a dynamic mic on it if it's ridiculously loud. I usually record with ribbon mics. If it's incredibly loud, I'm not going to use a ribbon mic, and I'm not going to use like a large diaphragm condenser or anything like that because it's going to overload the mic. That's a great segue because I wanted to ask you. So a lot of times we'll see images of an amp with like uh, a, a dynamic mic, which would be like, um, like a Shure 57, right? pointed right at, you know, little tiny, little tiny, uh, microphone pointed right at the speaker or, or off access. And then you'll also have, you'll see a, a square shaped one draped over the front of it, right? Sort of mm-hmm. a rectangle flat microphone kit. I just want to talk about like the different microphones that you're using and why. Um, I am 99% of the time using a Royer R121, which is a ribbon microphone that can handle a lot of SPL, which is volume basically. Okay. Um, and that mic covers a lot of ground. I use that in another mic that I will put in the room. Um, I'll measure it out because when I'm putting multiple mics on anything, phase is a huge deal that I take very seriously. Explain that. Um, you have a sine wave. Mm-hmm. And both those mics are collecting the sine wave. If one of the mic, one of the mics has a sine wave that is going up, you want the other mic that's on the same source to be going up at the same time. Okay. Or at least very close. You, I mean, you have like a few samples here and there, here, there. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have a mic on the amp, you have a mic in the room, um, <clears throat> when the sine wave is going up on the close mic and it's going down on the room mic, you're going to have a really weird sound and you're going to have gotcha. filtering out and it's just going to be, it's going to be quieter for one thing. You're going to lose low end probably. Right. It's just not good. It's so a thin tinny thing. So is that one of those things where someone is. says, Hey, we're just going to do it live. Um, and they have your amp mic'd, but then they also have a room mic that's distant away that that might be a problem. Like it would bleed through or something. Yeah. If they're doing it live with no headphones, yeah, there I don't do room mics like that. I'll okay. put a couple room mics up to cover everything. Okay, and once you get a a waveform like that, I mean, I mess with phase a lot. I mean, there's a measuring tape involved. Mm. So, so yeah, okay, so that's yeah. a, that's kind of a thing. Sounds yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. So help me understand the difference. Like you have a ribbon mic in front. You're saying that handles really high volume. You also have a, a ribbon. A ribbon mic does not typically handle high high volume. But the, the one you, the does. one that I use, yeah. does better than most, but okay. not as well as a fifty-seven or an SM7 or something like that. Okay, and and that is the one that's mounted on the floor, typically pointed right at the. I, I stick that thing right on the dust cap. Right, right, right. Hmm. So, why are you using the two different microphones? What is what quality are those giving sound wise that w- you would need two of them? Uh, like with the close mic and a room mic, ribbon mic, condenser mic that are both up close. The only yes. time I put two mics up close uh-huh. normally is if I'm doing really heavy stuff. Okay. Like, okay. like punk stuff, metal stuff. Okay. Then that's two mics right on it. 
and again, I'm like matching diaphragms inside the mic to how far they are from the speaker. Tonally, are you getting the same experience? A condenser will typically have a high, like more bright, like they'll be brighter. Okay. I know words. Yes. Um, they'll have, have more treble <laughs> uh -huh. and a little bit more bass. They'll be a little bit more of a curve okay. normally, depending right. on the condenser. Um, the ribbon mic is a little bit darker typically, but it covers the guitar land frequencies very well uh -huh. and very accurately. And it, it, ribbon mics take equalization really well. Okay. Mm. So if, if you have to make it a little bit brighter, you can do that and it's still going to sound great. Right. Because it's very, it's, it's just accurate and very sweet sounding. Okay. Gotcha. All right. That's just what like I was you. looking for. Just Perfect. like you, Ted. Just like me. Ooh. That's what everybody says. Do you normally prefer somebody bringing a smaller amp in? Uh, I mean, does that make your job easier, I guess, is what, where I'm going with that. If it's a small amp that sounds good, yeah. then yes. Unless we're doing the live thing with everybody in the same room, then I need it to be roughly something that matches the volume of the drums. Because if I have something that's really small out in that room, I'm going to turn that thing up to where I need it, and it's going to have tons of drums in it. Okay, yeah. And so it's everything's relative when you're when you're. So talking it's almost about, if you're doing a, a live recording, you want basically live rigs for everybody. Live rigs where people know, like, have a you know. Yeah, they've played that out, and they're not relying on microphones to do the, all the heavy lifting. Right. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Excellent. Oh, this is so great. I love it. All right. Next, um, I'm going to go for cables. Should you bring in your own cables? Does it matter in length, live length, like a stage length or short length for your house? Or you, you how should. Do, how do you handle cables? <laughs> you, you should bring in your own cables. And if I look at your cable and say that's garbage, here, okay, try this. All right, and I, I would probably say that, but and maybe nicer. Yeah. I so <laughs> I try to be nice about it, but I have a job to do. So if you so, have me positioned in the room and I'm uh, five feet away from my amp and I've got a 20 foot cable, right? Is that you cool with that? You're going to want to change that up. Uh, you're not going to be in the same room as your amp unless you want to be in the same room uh, as your uh, amp or we're doing the live thing with no headphones. Then you will be in the same room with your amp. But okay. most of the time amp will be isolated. You will right. be in the room with the drummer looking at him, but hearing yourself on the headphones. Right. We're going to touch on two of those aspects in just a moment. Oh, oh. all right. Let's go to, um, if I don't normally wear headphones, will this experience throw me off? If you're listening to headphones and you're hearing everybody, eh, it's going to take a minute to get used to for sure. So yeah, if you're recording in your basement or whatever, and all you ever hear is loads of DB, and now all of a sudden you're playing with everybody, but you have headphones on. You can't really hear the the room or anything. You're going to feel the drums though. Yeah. Because you're out in the, that's why I put people out in the room with the drummer and their, their amps and everything separated. Okay. So, I mean, if you're the bass player, you're not going to feel your pants rumble. Right. Right. Maybe Unless, you will. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Is that, is that a Spinal Tap <laughs> <Yeah>. reference? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, uh, but, but yeah, but you're going to feel the drums, and I feel like that's the most important part. Is, yeah. is that something that that you tend to get people talking about or complaining about a lot? At the, like, well, I can't hear the blah blah blah, or there's people complain about their headphones. Uh, sometimes, and then I'm like, hang on, 
I, I, I don't say it like that. I don't go, hang on. Yes. No, wait, you're, but you're I hit, a nice I hit man. play. I hit play. I go out there. I listen to their headphones. I make like three small changes on the mixer because they have a headphone mixer. Mm-hmm. And usually they're fine okay. after that. And they're like, oh, thanks. Oh, excellent. That's, excellent. What my, that's what my clients sound like. Hey, thanks. <laughs> uh, let's go. Let's, get, let's try this one. What's a general thing that you think people freak out about at the studio? But a lot of times people have what is called red light disease. So as soon as you hit record, mm-hmm. they freeze. You get like these cold sweats <laughs> every, <Right. laughs> every once in a while, you know, and, and after a few takes that usually goes away. So it, it's just one of those things. And I'm pretty, I try to keep it very relaxed. So, and I, and I, you know, I let, I let everyone know it's like, we can do this as many times as, you know, just relax and, right. and we'll, you know. We'll put one down that's good. You're not going to be stuck with a take that you hate. Right. So okay. that's usually how, do you, how so you get around so that. So that's typically the biggest thing is the red light fever, mm-hmm. as, as you call it. I like that. All right. Uh, let's see. What's next? So what's I'm next? loading up my gig bag and my <laughs> gear bag. What should I be throwing in there? You know, like picks and strings and... Uh, a tuner. A tuner. <laughs> and, and picks. You know, you've, you've heard me play. <laughs> extra, extra strings. Extra strings for sure. And if you really want to be quick about it, you can throw in like one of those... Uh, string winders? A string yeah. winder. Thank you. The old Crankarola business. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's probably the biggest thing. I mean, just make sure you have all your stuff together. Do you like that's to see all. people standing <clears throat> in the studio while they play or sitting on a stool? I like to see them doing whatever they want to do. <laughs> okay. However they're most and, comfortable. And you can tell, however they're most comfortable. And if it's a, an upbeat rock thing, I've had to ask people, well, uh, somebody will play something and you can tell that they're, um, they're not into it that much. And all I have to say is, why don't you, why don't you stand up for this next take? And that will make all the difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could see where that. So. Yeah. Gotcha. gotcha. I don't like stool sitters. I think no, I said you, that on a previous episode. You did. You did. And, <laughs> so okay. if Slash walked into your studio, would you let him smoke or not? Ooh, that's a good question. Not in the control room. Ah. Okay. Which is funny, though, because Appetite for Destruction was done on a board exactly like mine. Same that's model cool. and everything. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> well, that actually brings me to a question that uh, we have. Does the board matter? <laughs> and, and I know that that's for like, duh, yes, but... I know sometimes you'll, you, when you're talking to a potential studio, they like to say, well, I, I do, I work on this board. Or sometimes you go in and you're like, wow, this looks like, uh, looks like a DJ board. What, what's the big difference? The, well. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but all right. <laughs> um, the board matters. And it, it doesn't have to be a board. They're very there are a lot of different ways to get to where you need to be. Okay. The board is how I get to where I need to be. Okay. So it has a bunch of fantastic mic preamps um, and a bunch of EQs that come with those mic preamps. Um, and it also, I mix through it. So I'm splitting every, when I use Pro Tools, I'm splitting everything out and going through the board and what it does in summing and with the EQs and everything else, it's so you're amazing. So I think that is a, a point of differentiation because I know that there there are those who will record and then take th- that recording and mix it elsewhere. 
mm-hmm. or mix it on a different computer. Are you or, saying they're recording at home or they're recording, or they're, they're recording anywhere? They're recording wherever, and then they, they will mix it on a different computer. Mm-hmm. Um, so it sounds like what you're doing is you're recording and mixing off of the same exact board. So I'm, I'm just assuming that there are uh, some benefits to doing that. I don't know if there are benefits using the same board going in and out. Okay. That's just what you do. Yeah, because you could you could you could go in using my board and and come out using a different board and still get the benefits of that board versus my board. Okay. Yeah, but right. it, but it's still like a higher quality board which is, you know, like a vintage British console. Right. Is Yours is what we're dealing gotta, with. So it's what, what do you have? It's a Trident. ADB. ADB. 1983. Nice. It's big. I mean, it's real big. big. It's 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 over eight feet, 750 pounds. Yeah. Jeez. When you're rehearsing in a studio and you have the setup that you typically use or you're playing in your live setup, it's it's usually all for one and one for all and you're all in the same space. It's not always the case when you go into a studio. So explain what, what that experience is going to be. When you come into the studio, you're not going to have everything in the same room, okay. for one thing. The, every, anything that is loud is going to be separated. So the drums are going to be in the largest room. The bass will be in, I usually put it in the room that I have my grand piano in. Um, and then I have two other rooms that I'll put two amps in, so everything will be split up. And then I'll do a scratch vocal, typically, that is, j- I just put them in the room I try to have everybody in the main room with the drums. Okay. I, I including think the vocals. Including the vocals, but we're not keeping those vocals. Okay. That's a scratch vocal. Right. There's, gotcha. there's, that's just to get through the song. Right. It's to get through the song. Everybody knows where everything is. And, yeah. and it also helps me because I'll know where things are in the song. I know where the verses are. I know where the chorus is. So I can make adjustments for that as okay. we go. And if somebody says, yeah, this guitar goes in the second chorus, I can look at the vocal typically and get there. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, now when you are doing that, what are the benefits of having everything isolated? You can equalize things much better that way. You don't have phase issues like you would have with with everything in the same room. And that's especially important for the low end. So if you have your base in the, uh, the big room with everything else, sometimes you have issues with the kick drum and you can, you can do things to roll off low end and everything, but you can't do it on the kick drum and the bass guitar in the same way. So just have it, having everything separate just makes that so much easier. I can do whatever I want with, with any of those things. Excellent. And boys, did you have anything to add to that real quick? Not no? really. I mean, when I've been, the last time I was in a studio, we did some demos just to, you know, get us into some really cool bars or whatever. That's what we did. we, I had this PV5150, and he had me put it in the furthest room from everything else. I mean, that's... You don't, you don't have to do everything totally separate. Um, I mean, I've done some things where everybody is in the same room. It just takes a minute to get everything, like, aligned with the phase, and I'll put up baffles and stuff like that to get as close as I can. You lose some control on the other end. You're certainly not punching anything in mm-hmm. because if you do that, you're going to hear the other guitar track so on everything else. Real quick. 
Um, punching it would be like uh, if somebody's playing, if you're, if everybody's in the same room, the guitar player makes a mistake and is like, hey, I want to fix this in verse two or something. Mm-hmm. They come in, they want to like come in, they want to replay that part. You're supposed to punch him in, but you're going to hear that old guitar part that he made the mistake in on the drum overheads, most likely, or any, if you put up and a room mic, bleed, you can hear right? in that. It's bleed that's going in from his amp that was in the room at the same time right. going into the overheads. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Well said. Yeah. Good cool. thing we have an expert in the room. So what about uh, guitars that want to use multiple amps? You know, one maybe that's a, a clean sound, one that's a dirty sound, recording it at the same time. Wet and dry. Um, do you encourage that? Do you discourage that? I don't do either. If okay. that's what they want to do, that's what we're going to do. Okay. That Yeah, I'm there just to, you know, make make everything happen the way they want it to happen. And if they have, if they're looking for an opinion, I'm happy to give it to them. Mm. And if something sounds really, really off, I'm probably going to, th- I feel like that's my job too. They're, mm. you know, I'm there to, you know, be a, sort of a, a watchdog, a bumper is so. that something that you'll often recommend to people? Like, because I know that's one of the things that I noticed when I walked in. I was like, immediately, I was like, wow, there's a big pile of amps there. That's really cool. And I know that when I, in my actual, in my first recording experience way back when, I, <laughs> it was so dumb. I had this big, dumb Randall thing. It was huge. And he's like, yeah, it's really not like, I know what sound you're going for. at least, you know, based on what you're telling me, why don't we, I'm going to have you also be playing through, uh, I think he, I think he put a, um, I think he put a, uh, is that a Vox? I think he might've put a Vox in there too, just to like mitigate the, the sound. Cause it was super scoopy and I didn't know what I was doing. And I'm, I'm willing to bet that 99% of your tone was that Vox. I'm just going to put this other amp up. We'll use both though. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. So he blended them and I thought, Oh, that's really cool. Cause you know, I didn't know. I, 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 I was, I was green as could be when I first went in, mm-hmm. but I appreciated that. Um, and you know, you have many different kinds of amps at your disposal and I'm, I'm assuming they're not just because they look cool. No, they're not. They do though. They do. Yeah, they, they do. They, they, they look really cool. Do they look cool. I, I will vouch for that. He's got some. <laughs> yeah, cool they look pretty cool. Yeah. You've got a bunch of great amps that don't look. You know, they, they I look have a PV, Todd. I have a PV. <laughs> I know for a fact you've got some great little amps over there. And lot, lots of weird ones that have specifically very different tones. So, uh, is that something that you, that you often recommend? You know, like, hey, what? When you want to use one of these, or how does that go? I do, but I. I do it after we do the initial tracking. So when we do everybody with the entire band, we do the drums and the bass and two guitars, typically three, you know, whatever, however many they have. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll do that stuff. And if they want to use one of my amps, which happens about 50% of the time, that's fine. We'll, we'll choose that and throw it in the, in the ISO booth. Um, But a lot of the time I want to hear what they're going for what their pedals are doing, interacting with their amps. Cause I'll reference that tone when we're doing the overdubs and stuff like that. So usually when I'm recommending an amp, it's in the overdub stage of recording. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and I do. So you're just and adding they, just a little bit of extra color to the, to maybe an existing sound. Yeah. And, but most of the time the scratch is just a scratch. They're, they're playing along to get a solid drum, a drum take. <sighs> A solid bass take. 
I mean, there are times when we use those guitars, but I, when we set up to begin the, the project for the whole album or whatever, my, one of my first questions is, are we, is, is this a guitar track that we're keeping? Or is this a guitar track that you plan on replacing later? Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so. so for that, for all intent and purpose there, your initial everybody in the room, everybody's scratch except the drums. And bass. And bass. Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So uh, if you're a guitar player and you play and you go through all your songs and he says, cool, let's do guitar, you're going to be like, what? Didn't we just do that? So that's when you're going to do the isolated... We have the conversation before we even gotcha. start recording because I want to know if this is a keeper guitar track or not. Understood, okay. Because I will hone in on their playing. Okay. I will judge them. <laughs> not, not, not really. <laughs> if they make a mistake, though, I will bring it to their attention and say, hey, we should fix this. We're going to move on and... All right. Excellent. We were talking about phasing earlier, and, and you can control the phasing on, on your board, right? As far as phasing switches. I can flip the phase on my board, yes. And that's every channel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it is. And, and what, one what, of the main things I do yeah. is when I'm doing drums especially is I'll solo out the toms versus the overheads. I'll solo out the snare and the kick. So everything I, I kind of solo out real quick and make sure it's all in phase with the overheads. Okay. I was just curious. What? Why do we why do we care about that? Because if something's out of phase, it's going to cancel out a lot of the good stuff. It's not going to sound good if something is out of phase. You want it to be in phase, it'll be fuller. Right. And so that's what you're controlling on your end. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I am. It's nothing that the player has to worry about. Okay, so I'm going to start looking for a studio for my band to recording. I don't know a lot about studios, so what what are some things that I should be mindful of? Uh, potentially look out for um, in that in those considerations. Well, the most important thing is to hear samples of their work. Okay, and if you like the samples of their work, I don't know if there's that much of an issue. You should feel more comfortable going into that studio. Find out just the the size and the you know if it's going to accommodate a full band because you're going to want to play with a full band. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's just like a guy with a computer in one room, that's probably not for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I mean, that's, a, that's about it though. You just, I think a, a very small amount of homework will get you where you need to be. Okay. It's, it's the same in every situation. You get what you pay for. So mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're paying $200 for a day, then you're going to get a $200 recording. Right. Okay. And you should expect a $200 recording. Okay. And yeah. sometimes that, that might be just fine to work Maybe out the kinks. Maybe it's fine. And, and, That's right. And Maybe of, you're just demoing some stuff. You yeah. want to know what everybody sounds like. Right. So I guess uh, the takeaway is that a recording, all recordings are not, are, are not necessarily equal in the sense that, you know, just because you're going into a studio to record with professional mics and a professional setup, that's not it's it's not necessarily going to guarantee you something that you're like, all right, go make an LP out of this. No, because it's 90% the engineer. Like if they know what they're doing, they can take a 57 and a Mackie board and make it sound pretty decent. Okay. Hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. And if they don't, they could have, you know, the world's best console and a bunch of Neumanns and make it sound terrible. So I've been, what's the big deal with digital versus analog? Is it worth paying more to go to an older studio with, all analog stuff or... I think it's mostly uh, your workflow is the biggest issue that's, that's changed with it because you can... I have a tape machine at the studio. I don't use it all that much because first off, tape is expensive. Yeah. 
It's like 200 bucks for 16 minutes or something like that. Oh my gosh. I had no idea. Yeah. Unless, unless you go slower and then you get like 32 minutes and for, for not, $200. Not as good as quality when you go slow, right? The faster the tape records, the better quality. It's, it's noisier. You get better low end response. Okay. So, but you have tape hiss a little bit more, but it's super slow. Like the whole process just, it's unless, unless you're banging slow. out something live, which would be fun to do, to do right. with like a, like a punk band or something. Just, just lay it down. No overdubs, no nothing. Just, mm-hmm, you yeah. know, um, it, th- like if you're rewinding, doing punch ins and stuff like that, it's just very tedious. It takes a long time. It sounds good. Does it sound that much better because it does take you a lot longer you're paying for tape in my opinion no it's like they're in tuple the cost it, it probably yeah yeah it's just because it's a lot it's a lot it. slower yeah and, and there are benefits to it there's one of the benefits that people don't think of is that time that you're rewinding and finding your spot and everything you're considering the your take mm-hmm. you're considering the song you're considering other things you're not just like Boom, here it is. Do it again. Here, boom. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, there's something to be, something to be said for that hassle. The general hassle of it is, yeah. I'm usually like, I can, I can make it sound like that with a bunch of different, sure. uh, different things. So, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. A, the nostalgia fun. in me and, and remembering the smell. that kind of thing. All the, that the, the smell and it, that sounds weird. Uh, no, but when you real. when you rewind or fast forward you a tape, you get tape, that. Man. Yeah, you smell the tape. It's like it's like yeah. when you walk into a tattoo mm. studio, you're like, oh yeah, I smell this. This is but, no, that's a thing. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> what? <laughs> no, for it is. It is, it is. for me, anyways. Uh, All right, uh, Tony. Okay. Yes. Why don't you round us up with uh, this one here? Studio etiquette. What are the do's and the don'ts? Wow. And who sets the rules? My biggest rule is don't fart in the control room. <laughs> <laughs> My that, dad That's real. That. That's yeah. real. I, I, yes, I it is. I tell people that all the time. Um, anyway, studio etiquette, um, just be respectful. Just like, you know, don't, don't come in and like put your feet all over my couch and stuff that bugs me, but that's, that's a stupid thing, you know, just clean up after yourself. The the studio etiquette is not that, that big of a thing. It's just being a conscientious individual. That's all I ask for really. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And don't just like mess with everything in there. Like it's yours. That, don't spill beer on the that's console. sort of annoying. Yeah. Well, that's don't like it. Don't set your beer on the console. Don't, you know, that's so beyond facility management. And that's really what that is. Yeah. So, so how about how about if you're playing the interaction between someone who's actually playing and you in the in the control room? Are there things that you find yourself you have to kind of coach people on the process or anything like that? If they are very new to recording, I need to just tell them how how it works mm-hmm. and how it, like there are overdubs there, and then there's mixing. There's it's a whole. Mm-hmm. thing and that you know I, i've been working with younger and younger bands it seems like and those younger and younger bands are doing more and more things like they're going on tour when they're 18 mm-hmm. as opposed to working with bands that are going on tour when they're 25 mm-hmm. you know they're just younger people coming in so you have a little bit more explaining to do mm-hmm. when they get there okay yeah. that's good to but, hear <laughs> yeah but i mean th- i'm fine with like younger bands where I can, oh, yeah. I'm just like, I'm going to walk you through this and it's going to be, you're going to be happy when you walk out or we're going to fix it until you are. And then handoff. I know that this is, this is also a big question. It's like, cool. I recorded. Now what, what is uh, typically 
a next situation where, um, I mean, obviously, the I next mean, that's a is, common is question. The, it's like, we did this. What do we do? Right. Um, usually they, well, what I'd like to do, and that's pretty much what I'm doing a hundred percent of the time now is doing an entire mix and sending it to them. And they'll either send me notes on any changes that they want, or I'll schedule a set, which I'm absolutely fine to do, schedule a session for them to come in and we can just hammer everything out uh -huh. while, while they're there. I'll, I'd like to have like three or four hours though. Of, just, you, of just, you just spending time with Yeah, with, without like four guys on the couch behind me right. talking. Right, backseat driving. Yeah. Right. Well, backseat driving, but even them talking amongst themselves is just sort of a distraction. Sure. Okay, and that's that's a pretty interactive thing once you do get to that point. Say, all right, everybody, we got a mix. Now let's start to... For sure. Okay, gotcha. Cool, man. Uh, any... any uh, Words of advice you want to leave us with as far as a practice to a click track. Yep. Oh man, that was uh, a big one. Yeah. <laughs> okay, explain that. <laughs> that I, th I feel like the you have your pitch, or or and is you that, have your time, or is that tell your drummer to practice to a play? <laughs> there's that too, but there's that too. But this is called guitar knobs. Yes, this is true. Um, he's got a, so yeah, <laughs> that'd be on the drum heads podcast. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I recently experienced something uh, like that. So I was, you know, well, there's a, there's a lot of drummers who have never played to a click track before. Mm -hmm. And it's, that's it's true, really, that's I mean, it's, it's like disorienting to a lot of drummers. That is, that is true. Unless their, their time is kind of decent because they have decent musicality as a human. So the lesson is you can just blame the drummer. <laughs> that's not the lesson <laughs> know your stuff when you come into the studio that the lesson is if the drummer does a fantastic job and everything is to the click has a great feel and you come in as a guitar player and you're just way behind you're lagging not yeah. or you're ahead of everything you're just yeah. rushing everything right i mean it like that, that's it probably ruins that red light fever so kind of things. like red light syndrome kind of maybe can some people just that, can't yeah. keep time very well todd that's true that's true speaking you can blame it on a fever if you want <laughs> i just i just wanted to uh say rest in peace hal blaine he just passed away he's a drummer oh, and he worked yeah, for columbia records crew. yeah he was oh, in the, yeah, okay. what they call the wrecking crew yeah. He was on a lot of albums and he had just recently passed away. So, yeah, I thought because this is a recording episode, yeah. we All should. All right, there you go. Rest in peace, my friend. Yes. All right. Uh, we are going to transition to. Would you rather? Okay, this week's Would You good. Rather. That was a good one. Thank that was you. good. I like it. So, we have a new addition to our. Uh, Guitar Knobs Facebook group. Uh, welcome, Matthew Lee Mills. And his Would You Rather is, would you rather have the amp of your dreams or would you rather have a super fun pedal board? What would you rather have? Uh, all it's right. either one or the other. Uh, let's see here. All right, so everybody think real hard. Close your eyes, unless you're driving. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, uh, or, or have somebody else take, no, I won't even say that. Um, Tony, I would take the amp of my dreams over a pedal board, which is, oh, I mean, I, I'm very partial to Vox AC 30. This is true. Yes, he is. He, you have the amp of your dreams, the hand wire. Well, I actually, well, that's not that my, the amp of my dreams is my Dr. Z. So okay. that, that, that was the one that I've all, that I wanted and now have. Yeah. 
The Maserati. The Maserati, which yeah. is an AC30 on steroids. Yeah. Are those made in yeah. Cleveland? Yeah. I, re- uh, I would really like to. I don't have one, one of those. <laughs> I should. You should have one of those. Can yeah. I, can I have yours? Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jared. Um, this was tough because I, I don't know. I, I really like it. I think I appreciate a really, really good amp. Um, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go with the amp and I'm going to tell you what amp I want and what I'm, I'm really want right now. I want a JCM 800, okay. either, either a hundred watt or 50 watt. I think the hundred watt, because I think that's closer to the original schematics of a super lead. If I'm not mistaken, similar. Oh, yeah. You're getting some disparaging looks in here. Or go ahead, John. My super lead is a hundred watt. Okay, so I'll go a hundred watt. All right. I want a JCM eight hundred. You can't handle a hundred watt. I think you should go one fifty. Go one fifty. One fifty. Hundred and one watt. I had a PV Road King at one time. Those. those oh, ones. the one with the six six L sixes. Yes, that will. That will Six? crumble your house Six. to the ground turned all the way yeah. up. Yeah. Well, we don't have to worry about that. I would rather take the JCM 800 amp over okay. the pedal board. All although right. I love my Mutrons. Yes. All right. <laughs> John? Let me ask one question. How bad is the amp that you get stuck with when you have the good pedal board? Ooh. <laughs> that's, not de- that's not defined. So I think it's just one or the other. I'll it's, take, it's all, I'll take it's the a, amp. There okay. you go. Ugh. And which amp am I picking? Sure. I'm taking my 72 Super Reverb. All right. Okay, I can Ooh. see that. It's a ringer. That. It cannot make a bad sound. Okay. Excellent, excellent. That's right up there with the Vibrolux. Todd, what are you doing, brother? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what? Uh, I'm still very much in my... PD Bandit. In, <laughs> <laughs> yes. TNT. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm still sort of... Uh, in my early exploration of amps, to be perfectly honest, I feel like I have so much to learn about about amps and figuring out, you know, which ones find my or my my sound. And and um, mm-hmm. so I'm going to go with the pedal board because <sighs> I love I really love pedals. I love amps too. I just don't. I there's too many to. I haven't figured out with the with the like the one that I'm like this one, you know. So I I can't but, but here's I can't the thing. tell you what my can, dream can I interject? Is. Can I interject on this? Yes, I've heard your band. Yes, an amp is your correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously? Okay. <laughs> I don't know how to take that. I thought you were going to say a new guitar player is yeah. the answer. <laughs> wow! Oh, come yeah, on, this guy. Okay, so what, no. why are you saying that? Because you don't need a bunch of pedals. Your stuff is in your, like you said, smack them with a board and, yeah. <laughs> and, and run away you quietly. You need a PV bandit. Yeah. Well, like uh, a, like a rock ninja. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I'm, I'll tell you and show you what I'm playing when, when we get out of here. Okay. How about that. Uh, but I, you know what? I'm going to stick with, I'm still going to stick with the pedals because I don't have the amp of my dreams. I don't know what that is yet. So uh-huh. I can't actually choose that, but I can, I can choose a, a good pedal board. Well, what would that be? Yeah, what yeah, is the pedal yeah board exactly. It's too complicated for this question. <laughs> well, you a, made us a answer really that question. Fun, a really it's just, good. It's fun just an H nine. Yeah, right, no, <laughs> done. Definitely not. All righty, uh, let's get on to John. Where can people find you on the internet and everything? Uh, I am at relayrecording.com, and I am also at johnfinnell.com. It's Excellent. not hard. F i n t e l J o n 
F I N T E L. That's right. And there's no H in the John. Oh, that's like no. three what? groups of three letters. Yes. Right. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. You're a mathematician, uh, Tony. <laughs> and well, then, I was a math major. <laughs> that's yeah, right. Was. Tony, was you got math. some people to thank? I want to talk about our executive producers. Preach it, brother. I'm telling you. These people help, along with other patrons on Patreon, but these executive producers help make this podcast possible. We appreciate yes. you very much. So Go you're ahead. asking yourself, how? What is this executive producer? What is, how, what is a patron? On Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs and find out how you can become a patron. And there's various levels that you can participate in. All have great prize packages. You get t-shirts, you get barefoot buttons, you get all kinds of crazy stuff. Stickers for your guitar case. Stickers for your guitar case. Picks, buttons, the whole thing. The whole enchilada. Mm -hmm. Nine yards. But the cream of the crop... The executive producer level has one additional benefit. And Jared, that would be? You get your name read on the thing. That's right. You get your name read on the thing. Yep. And this would be the thing. And this is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. I would like to welcome on board Mr. Anthony Lanthrop. Hey! Welcome right. aboard, our newest executive producer. He's a good dude, man. He's a good customer. You are in great company, my friend. Yes, sir. Because in addition to you, we have Johnny Knowles. Yep. We have Stefan Lamb. We have Rick Lenglou, Michael McVeigh, Michael Senchuk, Brian Robison, Jonathan Jerusik, Ken Sayers, Corey Nigro, Brad Partridge, Michael Van Zant, Doug Christ, Darren Gregory, Robert Marfleet, John Anglin, Chris Kearney, Sean S. Oliver Gonzalez. John Daly, Robin Smith, Pete Marshall, Carlos Mancha, Matt Brammer, David Wolfson, Martin Cliff, and the original executive producer, Mr. Tom Barazin. All right. Thank you guys so much for helping our show out. Thank you. It means the world to us, truly. Uh, Tony, where can people find you? They can find me uh, at Mm pickguardian.com. You can see uh, various types of projects and things that I'm doing uh, on Instagram at the pick guardian one but you know if you need a, a custom guard maybe you're changing out pickups you want a different color just get a hold of me i'll take care of you make your guitar look mighty pretty did it for mine that's right jared find me at brandonwoundpickups.com if you want to throw an email jared j-a-r-e-d at brandonwoundpickups.com you have any questions about pickups new pickups you need one replaced or you need one rewound and you want to keep the original pickup, I'm really good at that too. Uh, please get a hold of me. Excellent. And you can drop me a line, Todd, at theguitarnobs.com. And you can also DM me on Instagram, at guitarnobs, and we will talk about things. Please send us your would-you-rathers as well, because then we'll go ahead and read them on the show, just like we did today. Yep. Yes, sir. All right. Everybody, have a great guitar week. Thank you so much to John Fiddle for joining yeah, us thanks, John. on an awesome thanks 101. This is super fun. That and was. Uh, consider going in and getting uh, your band recorded in the studio. Yeah. Do it. Archive it. Yes, sir. And subscribe. Yeah. You don't see a lot of sumo wrestlers playing the guitar, though, do you? The lever, jippity jubal.
You gotta do this thing. On I, I tighten that thing down. Thing. Wow, you're special, Todd. Yes. No, you're special. This all stays in. <laughs> Answer the question. I need a break. I was doing emphasis. We're recording, right? Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Visit our website at theguitarknobs.com for all of our past episodes, four on the floor blog, and other good stuff. You can connect with us on social too at our Facebook page and share your gear and stories on our Facebook group. Also, be sure to check out our Instagram at guitar knobs. Catch you next time.